All right, a long time ago on a podcast far, far away. This is Generally Assembled, your favorite House Republican podcast. Jason and Neil. How's it going, Neil? Good. How are you doing? Good. I think that's my only going to be uh, May the 4th reference, and we are here on uh, Revenge of the Sixth. No, please don't. Do more. Revenge of the Sith. Although, you know, look, I'm, I'm right now I'm reading um, Master and Apprentice, which is, deals with uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which leads up to uh, The Phantom Menace. And it really has me thinking that Master and Apprentice should have been the, the first prequel movie because it lays out so much of the background that's necessary for understanding the other prequel movies. And, you know, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series everybody's really excited about coming out on May 27th. Uh, two episodes of the six-part series will be released. Um, lots of be excited about it. I won't get too deeply into it. But, you know, there's a, uh, another book coming out beforehand. It's called Brotherhood, which has Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin uh, during the Clone Wars. And it's a story about the two of them. And, you know, I'm sure that at some point there's going to be some crucial detail in that book. Uh, that's going to be relevant to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. It's coming out May 10th. It only gives you 17 days to read the book. You know, so if, like people are going to be watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus and this huge moment's going to happen for people who have read the book. Everybody who read the book's be like, oh, dang, you know, and then, but like that's how, that's how Star Wars does it. All right, well, <laughs> no, Star, like Star, Star Wars, because actually Master and Apprentice and uh, the prequels came out. So, but Master and Apprentice is only canonized because it, is part of the of it's like the prequel to the prequel trilogy, and then there's an audio book called Dooku Jedi Lost. Neil's like, he's looking at the clock. <laughs> I, well, uh, all right. Well, we shout should, outs for shout outs. Uh, Nick Kratz, who advocates yeah, for intellectual Nick, disability Nick, providers at Par, is going to yeah, love Nick the first Kratz. three minutes of this podcast. Uh, and if we have anybody else still listening, uh, we cut taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Or we voted to cut taxes. <laughs> um, well, hey, look for the spinoff podcast, Jason Talks Star Wars. So, yeah, uh, we did cut taxes last week, and we passed historic school choice legislation, and we took on violent crime in Philadelphia in a very serious way. Who would have known? It's quite the trifecta, to be honest with you. Yeah. It was quite the week. And before that, the week before that, we continued to reduce the size of the, the session before that, continued to reduce the size of government. By getting rid of pandemic waivers and extensions, making them permanent, um, we uh, jump-started past legislation to jumpstart our energy industry, and we got the Commonwealth out of investing in Russia and Belarus. And we passed a bill to uh, ban lawmakers from taking state-owned vehicles, yeah. which actually not a single member of our caucus actually has one. And then the, the week, this last week, we passed online transparency in the reporting of expenses. Wow. So that a heck, heck of a couple of weeks. We're going to do a budget. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if Tom Wolf comes down from the moon. Yeah, but you know what? Look, I think I think uh, let's just let's just take a look at this in perspective. So, for the first time in what thirty years, maybe longer, we passed a real tax cut, dropping the CNI from nine point nine nine percent down to eight point nine nine percent, with additional triggers that might lower it in future years. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we we you know we might we might be uh, at a place where we're even lowering it more. And and why is that important? You often hear that the sticker price on our CNI is kind of like a, a red flag right at the border of our state for businesses that would otherwise come here, invest, grow jobs, create family-sustaining jobs, and you know invest back in our, in our communities too. Um, so it's an important first step. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, actually, the the corporate net income tax rate has been nine point nine nine since nineteen ninety five. Uh, it's quite a long time, uh, actually. It's you know o over twenty years. 
Uh, so it actually adds on to some other stuff that we've done. In, in addition to passing reductions in the corporate net income tax, we moved a package of bills that would help. Seven with, bills. Seven bills that would help with our small businesses. Yeah, um, tax fairness and simplification. Right, and, and also undoing a, a Rendell-era paperwork burden on small businesses where under Governor Rendell. Cutting red tape. As one-time revenue source, he instead of businesses just collecting sales tax and then sending it into the state, uh, Rendell said, yeah, you know what? I think businesses should have to estimate what they're going to collect in sales tax, prepay it to the state out of their pocket, and then submit paperwork, short it all up later. Um, so Jesse Topper actually uh, had a bill that uh, would undo that and go back to the system where businesses collect sales tax for the month and then send it into the state. Much more simple. And for a lot of small businesses, that's going to reduce a lot of red tape and make things much more, much less complicated and maybe even, you know, um, take away the the requirement that they have a CPA do all this stuff for them. Yeah. And like, look, OK, so let's talk about some of the other stuff we did in context of a, another big news item that happened just this last week, which was the leak uh, regarding the U.S. Supreme Court's potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. And something that I've been saying to reporters when I've been asked about this, and you can imagine there's a lot of people who've been interested, is, you know, the the House Republican Caucus has led uh, General Assembly, really, the whole body, in uh, passing significant pro-life legislation that respects both the dignity of the born and the unborn. So if you look at, let's let's talk about the unborn legislation that we've, we've, we've taken on. Uh, Representative Kate Klunk, who uh, was our guest last week, had legislation that would limit abortions for, you know, those seeking an abortion because their fetus was solely because their fetus was diagnosed with a uh, with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Representative Frank Ryan had legislation uh, that respects, you know, gives mothers uh, and and parents and options options, excuse me, about how to dispose of fetal remains and really provides for the dignity of the fetal remains disposal. So really significant legislation there. But, you know, look, this pro-life legislation uh, and doing things that are pro-life does not stop just with, with, with dealing with the issue of abortion. Another big bill we passed this last week, the, the Lifeline Scholarship Bill, building strong communities, providing education, opportunity for children, um, you know, creating investment in Pennsylvania through things like lowering the corporate net income tax, building communities, uh, making, <clears throat> making neighborhoods stronger and families stronger. All of that is strong pro-life legislation. doesn't have anything to do with abortion. Right. Um, and that's the stuff that we have been and will continue to pass. But this Lifeline Scholarship Bill uh, that we passed last week uh, along a bipartisan vote was very significant. Yeah, I think that's actually an important point. Um, you know, our caucus has consistently led uh, standing up for the dignity of life, whether it be the unborn or uh, the elderly or the intellectually disabled. Um, you know, actually, I spoke uh, this week at PAR's co- annual conference here in Harrisburg. And as I was doing some research, just trying to you know, understand what's what's going on over the last several years. You know, since 2010, we have increased state funding for the intellectual disability waiver program by 200 percent. I mean, that's a significant I- increase in investment for those programs, for those individuals living in our communities, and that's all been done by uh, Republican leadership. And so I think, you know, we, we put our money where our mouth is, and we support, you know, those who are in the most need in our communities and support dignity of life all the way through. You know, again, this, this, this is all about, and I think this comes down to a fundamental difference in how Republicans and Democrats see things, because they go, oh, you don't enhance welfare programs, and uh, you don't do this, so you don't respect mothers, you don't respect babies, but, you know, just because we have a difference view about how you grow families stronger, about how you create opportunities for children, um, about how you ensure that there's 
healthcare options available for mothers and families. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little reluctant to share this, but you know, when, when we were going through our adoption experience, one of the things that they went through in the classes you need to take is an explanation of why the number of adoptions have decreased and, and, and adoptions have decreased significantly over uh, the course of the last 15, 20 years. And, you know, they say it's not because of the number of abortions increasing. It's actually because government has done such a good job of supporting single mothers and parents and families and a reduced stigma of uh, being a single parent that people are just not choosing to make that decision to make an adoption plan for their child. There are resources out there for people to take this on when they didn't think they would be able to. Um, Mm -hmm. There are so many options out there that have become available due to good policy, respecting children, respecting mothers, um, standing up for families, creating opportunities, that this is a a comprehensive look at what it means to be pro-life. It just doesn't have to deal with abortion. Let's talk about one other thing I think that was big this week, which was uh, our surplus numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, April revenues came in a whopping $1.8 billion above estimate, which is just kind of mind boggling. We've never seen uh, numbers like that. But one thing that's important to understand about it is $1.1 billion of that came in from PIT annual payments, uh, which means it was actually money earned in 2021 that's finally coming in because people filed their taxes. So while it's significant, it is a little bit of a blip that doesn't indicate growth in the current month. It actually indicates that 2021 was better than we thought it was going to be. But there's also concern on the horizon, right? So uh, in the first quarter of the year, GDP actually shrank. Yes. And that's a concern. Yeah, we're in a contracting economy right now. Right. And you still have record inflation. I think year or year over year, it's 8.5% inflation. Which right, is, and wages are only up 5.5%, so wage growth is not keeping up with inflation. Right. And the other thing is, like, when did rainy day fund become a dirty word? I think Democrats forget, like, what a rainy day fund is because under, the, under Rendell, he spent it all. And we haven't really had a rainy day fund since. Now we're thankfully back in a fiscally responsible position where we have some money in reserve, in reserve for when the next recession happens. You remember when Governor, when Rendell spent all the money during the 2008 recession, Governor Corbett comes into office and he's staring at a $4 billion budget deficit. Yeah, with no backup. With no backup. There, yeah. was, there, was, no, there was no change. <laughs> yeah. you know, Rendell had spent everything and more. And yeah, the cupboards were bare. So what happened? Corbett had to cut programs because he wasn't going to raise taxes. And, you know, that was very controversial and people were upset about it. So we would prefer to be in a position where when we have an economic downturn, we have money in reserve so that we don't have to raise taxes and we don't have to cut programs that people rely on. Right. That's the responsible approach. In fact, uh, Pennsylvania's rainy day fund is actually below the national average. So, you know, I, I read this stuff where the Democrats are like, oh, we're just sitting on all this money. Like, thank God they're not in charge. Well, if you remember for like the first six years of the Wolf administration, it was like, our rainy day fund is such a, such a poor position. We need to put more money in the rainy day fund. Well, like, you know, Democrats just follow the talking points. They don't have talking points that like Makes sense. follow the situation. Right. So now it's like it's like, well. Like, we really just want to spend this money, so who cares about the rainy day fund? You know, like, let's, right. let's just give money to people and let's, let's, uh, like, let's just, like, let's just throw this money into social programs that the Republicans will have to fund later. And, like, ha ha, good job, guys. 
it's press conference talking points. It's just having a press conference to commit to tell somebody, hey, I'm forgiving you money, even though you know you can't deliver on it. Right. And we, we've talked about this before. There's about $2.1 billion in the federal relief funds that are left that haven't been spent. That's out of over $11 billion that Pennsylvania got in federal funds. Siri, what causes inflation? You know, between legislative Democrats, Governor Wolf, and aspiring Governor Shapiro, they've come up with $6 billion worth of ideas on how to spend that remaining $2 billion. I mean, they're just promising people stuff that they don't have the money to pay for. But it sounds good. No, like when you don't have plans, like that's all you do, right? Like you just, you promise people a bunch of stuff that you're not responsible to deliver on. And then you just blame everybody else for not delivering on the promises you made that you can't actually deliver on yourself. That's that's sort of like a pretty good summary of the last seven years of the Wolf Yeah, that's exactly what it means to be a Democrat in 2022. And mind you, (laughs) Governor Wolf's a lame duck at this point, right? Especially the uh, lamest of ducks. The lamest of ducks. Uh, When he wears his yellow raincoat, you know, rubber ducky. Um, (laughs) You know, he doesn't care what hole he's digging for the future. He's gone. Yeah, it definitely does remind you of Ed Rendell, right? Like, yeah, like, it's, it's the same. I'm, I'm, out, I'm out the door. I, I don't care as long as I can create myself a legacy. Uh, yeah. Republicans are bad. I'm Tom Wolf. I'm out. Good luck, losers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. Yeah. Good luck, losers. We're, get in, losers. We're going to the Biden administration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we find ourselves funny. I hope you guys do, too. Um, all right. Well, I think that's enough content for the week. Uh, until uh, next time. Right, go ahead. Uh, shout out for shout outs to my buddy Ryan that I went to high school with. He loves the podcast. Nice. Uh, and I talked to him actually yesterday about an issue that uh, he asked me to help him with. But, uh, yeah, he's listened to every episode, and he's starting to recruit some of my old uh, high school friends to also listen. So Hey, got to keep those numbers up. We, uh, we, we work twice as hard to get uh, you know the same numbers as Grove Unleashed, allegedly. Who, by the way, had an hour-long podcast this week that had to be broken up into two parts. You know, We might talk about Star Wars on here, but at least we're not uh, unleashed. Yeah, we are definitely leashed on this podcast. Um, all right. Self-imposed limitations are the hallmark of excellence. All right, another one in the yeah, bag. That's it. All right. Uh, that's uh, generally a summer for this week. Um, for Neil Lesher, I'm Jason Gottesman, and you can find this podcast where all of your favorite House Republican podcasts are found at www.pahousegop.com slash mypodcasts. Uh, all right, that's generally a for this week. See you next time.